So I actually downloaded a different, different right ding 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 sound. Okay, you didn't download <laughs> a, another buzzer. Did no, you? I have the same buzzer. We I haven't don't know heard if you get it to yet. Use it, yeah, but the other ding ding ding, like in the background, it sounded like. There's there was like talking. a woman screaming. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like a sample, like that you were supposed to yeah. maybe purchase. So I found like a, a royalty free. Yeah. Well, I can't ding, wait ding, to ding. hear that ding ding in a, in a couple minutes. Or it's going to be a, a a big buzz sound. We'll see which one I get to use. All right, so I'm going to give you five clues, and you have to guess. Are you okay. ready? Yeah. It is an evergreen shrub. Mm-hmm. It is the state plant of Pennsylvania. That, that <clears throat> it gets. Five to twenty foot tall. Okay. It is. <clears throat> it is oh, native. It. it is native from Maine to Florida, mm-hmm. west to Louisiana, and north to Indiana. Okay. And we do not grow it. It's uh. It is Calmia latifolia, which is mountain laurel. <laughs> I don't and, know if that, that thing's better or worse. <laughs> that kind of sounds like there's a ship coming to port. It sounds like I'm being called for dinner. <laughs> You're listening to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. But I figured you probably would know this <clears throat> because you liked my social media post on LinkedIn about I did, Yeah, you did just <clears throat> post something about that. Tell me a lot of folia. And so when I like, said the, the Pennsylvania state plant didn't help me at all, then I'm like, oh, yeah, I do know the Pennsylvania <laughs> state plant in my head right after. So, yeah. So uh, I think that's a good precursor. And the one thing I didn't mention, I just want to make sure I don't overlook it, the uh, wetland indicator status for this plant is a facultative upland. Okay. So it is more – which makes sense. You, you typically find it as understory in a lot of our uh, local forests. Um and more upland, rocky, like slightly mountainous regions. Mm-hmm. We're not yeah. very mountainous where we're at, but a lot of the times you find this in the the rocky understory of mm-hmm. in a mountainous range. And then you <laughs> see it in the the New Jersey pine barrens a lot. Yeah, which I, is surprising in a way because a lot of the other places you do see it is where there's a lot of topography, and the pine barrens are, are relatively flat, very, flat, very very sandy. Yeah, and uh, different conditions than you're going to find where I've seen i guess i shouldn't i've never seen a mountain laurel in person in those conditions but in youtube videos and that kind of stuff i've seen them quite a bit you know it's very interesting because we talk about how bleak um a temperate deciduous forest can be sometimes but this is one of the things that really stands out because it's it's one of our native evergreens Mm -hmm. and it doesn't get um really full like some other evergreens does there's a lot of open space in between um but the place that i saw it at uh, is in South Jersey called Blueberry Hill, which is a little mountainous, but it's also they're excavating sand. <laughs> it's like a big sand hill, mm-hmm. so it's yeah. it's like a unique setting for it. So, so what are some other plants <clears throat> that are similar to this plant? Uh, native rhododendron, mm-hmm. like rhododendron maximum, is is yeah. very similar. You'll find it in in very similar conditions, um, and that's something that hopefully we'll cover as one of the native plants every day. But mm-hmm. it's. I, I think those two kind of go hand in hand a little bit. Yes, but it's in the same family as that. And it's it's in the same family. It's the Ericaceae family. So uh, those of you are familiar with that. That's rhododendron and azalea, um, bearberry, dog hobble, huckleberry. So that's a lot of the blueberry family, the mm-hmm. vaccinium family, yeah. and sourwood, oxidendron. Yeah. I have actually got a really good secret about the Ericaceae <laughs> family. But I'm going to save that for a, a buzz on the Native Plants Healthy Planet. So, All right, awesome. That's, that's called a teaser. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the leaves are alternate. Uh, they're very simple, elliptical, two to five inches long, and they have a pointed tip. 
uh, but they're like a shiny yellowish green, mm-hmm. not like a dark green, more of a, yeah. a yellowish yep. green. Uh, the bark is uh, thin, like a dark brown and red in color. Um, and you do see it. Like you see the stems mm-hmm. in the winter and the spring. Um, and they're, they kind of shred and split as they get older. And the stems get twisty and gnarly, especially yep. the bigger ones. You know, it's it does get five to twenty foot tall. So you can imagine like twenty foot tall Mount oh, Laurel yeah. with these big old gnarly stems. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 kind of very cool. Tell me a little bit about the flowers. That's the the main attractor for me, and a lot of other people is the flowers. Tell me a little oh, bit about them. Totally. So they, it has bell shaped flowers, very specific. Once you once you see a Mount Laurel flower, you won't you won't forget it. So they're white to to pink and they have deep rose spot and sides but you do get seedling diversity on that like it's like that's pretty consistent but naturally you will get some weird occurrences with it um but those flowers occur in flat top clusters they bloom uh like late may to early june and they'll bloom for several weeks they'll bloom into july so you'll get a nice uh bloom period they are monoecious mm-hmm. uh so you don't need a male and a female and uh, like if you're curious of the shape, it is kind of dense and rounded, and it's like multi-stem and thicket forming. Like in some places, they can form such a dense thicket that you can't. Oh yeah, you can't even I've, walk. I've through tried; it. it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> now you don't really think of the fruit with mountain laurel. At least I don't. What is the the fruit like? No, it's you know it's it's a brown fruit, and the seeds are really tiny, and they mature very late. You know, it's funny as you research some of these plants. There's very little written about the seed or the fruit of mm-hmm. of kalmia and one of the interesting things that i found while researching it especially talking about the fruit is that you know one of the things we always try to cover is toxicity and um they're poisonous to humans horses goats cattle and deer so when we talk about not very many native plants being deer resistant yeah. this one is perfectly deer resistant it's evergreen and it's top like all parts it's um uh green parts of the plant flower twig pollen they're all toxic even honey made from the pollen of mount laurel if ingested in large quantities can cost like like uh stomach issues Mm -hmm. so all things you have to be aware of but yeah. i'm guessing there weren't a lot of mountain laurels where winnie the pooh lived <laughs> no no i don't i think <laughs> but that, and that was i guess leads me to my next question is does it benefit wildlife in any way is, uh, like with the the evergreen the the with the beautiful flowers and then that it's deer resistant and that kind of makes it seem like it's a great plant for a landscape but does it help wildlife you know, the it, it is pollinated by bumblebees and butterflies, bees, and other pollinators love the nectar of the flower. So you are getting pollinator benefit, and it is the host plant for the laurel sphinx, uh, which is another great benefit. But as far as as you know, and because it's thicket forming, it makes good habitat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're not really getting nothing's browsing the the leaves or the the stems or anything like that. Yeah. How about is it, is it a host for anything special? Just the Laurel Sphinx. That's the one that uh, it's uh, Sphinx Calmier, I believe, is the thing. So that's that's the most, um, uh, I, I guess, the the most significant one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it does it you know it does have its things that it is susceptible to um weevils rhododendron borer leaf spot blight scale uh white fly and lace bug and when when you talk about you know lace bug always stands out to me because when you talk about um what kind of uh light requirements it it can take it like this one prefers shade but can tolerate full sun but when you put it in full sun that's when you're more susceptible to these mm-hmm. attacks because it's outside of it, the environment that it loves so like lace bug anytime you see lace bugs typically it's full sun mm-hmm. and it's things that are shade loving like you'll find them on azaleas and rhododendrons yeah. when people put them in the the front of their property and they're they're not really happy there mm-hmm. now how was this plant used in the past? I know, like Native Americans had to use it for so, for something, and and then early colonists they probably used it for certain things. How was uh, this plant used? Uh, totally. So, um, you know, interesting. The the root burls were used for pipe bowls during World War II when mm-hmm. the the normal material wasn't available uh, because of the war. Um, the wood can be used for wreaths, handrails, and clocks. It's not really strong enough for commercial use, but for a lot of craft things like that, it makes it makes a great great usage. Mm-hmm. But the Native Americans would actually call carve spoons from the wood, um, resulting in another common name of spoonwood. So we we did mention mountain laurel. Um, it's also called calico calico bush or ivy bush. I guess we didn't or, mention we should have. Or spoonwood. So Native Americans would actually, because of like the bends, they would pick like a bend where they, they needed it mm-hmm. in the right spot yeah. and yep. kind of carve spoons out of it, very which cool. I thought was very cool. Um, what yeah. What is this a good substitute for in your garden? If you're transitioning from a an exotic garden to a native garden, what would you recommend as a, a, this sub for? So I think it's a good sub for Japanese Andromeda, which is Pieris japonica, uh, which – you know, it's a, an evergreen. A lot of people use some accents around their foundation, um, and it does flower in the spring. So I think this is a good sub for that. And, you know, it's susceptible to the same thing. It's shade-loving, but if you put it in the sunlight, you get lace bug attacks and things like mm. that. So I think for for larger azaleas or smaller rhododendron or things like uh, – that are non-native mm-hmm. or um, Japanese Andromeda, I think it, they're all really good subs. Now the one the one thing is it's not straight calmia latifolia. A lot of times when you see it available in the trade, it's field dug. Mm-hmm. Like they they go into the woods and dig it out, which we don't recommend. A lot of the times it's it's not really done on the up and up. <laughs> yep. If that makes sense, um, it's not illegal to do that if it's your own property. But uh, it is hard and slow to grow from seed, mm-hmm. and that's why you don't. That's why we don't do it. It's, yeah. It would take us years to. To produce a crop, but in the trade, if you want a Mount Laurel, there's plenty of cultivars available. Uh, there, there's ones like Elf, Minuet, Olympic Fire, Pink Charm, and they all vary in size. Mm-hmm. They're done from tissue culture, so they can be done quickly. Uh, and they range like Red Flower, Olympic Fire, I believe, as a red flower, and Elf mm-hmm. is a dwarf, and yep. Minuet as a dwarf. So you can get in the trade. You may need to go to cultivar on this one, mm-hmm. which you know is not always our first choice. We always like straight species from seed, but it may be your way to go if if you do that. So um, it is slow growing though; it only grows about a foot a year, but it's long lived. It can live up to seventy five mm-hmm. years, so yeah. it's it's a good plant that way. So I think we might be ready for another quiz. Yeah, we're, I'm we're ready. starting to run close, and I think so. I'm going to give you five facts mm-hmm. one of which is not a fact yep 
So you have to guess which one is not a fact. All right. Hit me with them. All right. Uh, In Latin, latifolia means with broad leaves. Mm -hmm. The largest spoonwood spoon collection is housed at the Museum of Cherokee in North Carolina. That would make sense. Yeah. Um, First recorded in the U.S. in 1964, but not named until Finnish botanist Per Kalm sent samples to Linnaeus in the 1700s. So, so say that one again. All right. First recorded in the U.S. in 1624. Okay. <laughs> the first time you said 1964. Oh, no. Sorry. 1624. <laughs> like, All right. Um, in language right. of flowers, Kalmia carries symbolic meaning of perseverance due to growth in tough habitats. Okay. And it can also symbolize trickery due to its crooked trunks and habit in growing densely together. Those are some really tough ones. I, I all worked really hard this very, time to give you something that plausible. wouldn't be. Yeah, um, man. Uh, One oh, of them's not true. The, One of these things are not I'm like the other. To think. I'm now the the spoon collection one sounds the most plausible, but it sounds like the easiest one to make up. So, I which, but wanna... I figure after throwing you the Kenny G one, yeah. using facts like this would make oh, you yeah. think that I'm lying. Yeah, yeah. And then the fourth one just kind of sounds like a bunch of uh, <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> this this sounds scientific. Yeah. So I'm going to go. Can you repeat the fourth clue again? Uh, in language of flowers, Calmia carries symbolic meaning of perseverance due to growth and tough habitats. I'm, I'm going to go with that one. I got to use the buzzer. Yeah. It's actually the um, the Museum of Cherokee. <laughs> Man, I now the Museum that. of Cherokee yeah. in North Carolina is a real place, mm-hmm. and it may house spoons made of, yeah. of spoonwood, but there's no factual yeah content. Yeah. But the I other should have went with my first reaction. <laughs> so there you have it. I think that was a great uh, a great intro to a plant that yeah. most of us see on the East Coast mm-hmm. pretty commonly. Um, now, would you use it in your garden? You know what? I, I totally would. Uh, there's places uh, towards the back of my property that gets a lot where the deer actually come in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would probably try to use that as a screen and it's shade it and it would mm-hmm. give me some good color at the back of my property and, and some good height um, that I would love. And I, Yeah, I would totally – you know, it's funny. It's something that I hadn't thought about but I would – now I'm thinking about it a lot more. I yeah. think I, I I need to add. Now it. this is one I actually did use in my garden. Oh, okay. And it was actually one of the first things I put in there, and it hasn't worked out like I planned. I think because I'm getting too much sun. Oh, uh, it okay. seems like I'd get a, a flush of new growth, all the old growth <laughs> would die, and then it would just kind of re-sprout from the base every year. And gotcha. it, it was one of the the dwarf varieties. I think it was Elf, and um, that was just the only one I could find. Yeah, and uh. Yeah, it just hasn't worked out quite well enough. So that is one thing to consider. If you, I, I would recommend you plant it, but only if you're going to plant it in the proper conditions. If you can get a spot that's shady enough, I have a spot that gets pretty good morning sun, and it just does not work there. I so, agree. But I've, it's like it's still alive, so I don't want to pull it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, this will be the year. It's really going to take off, and then it doesn't take off. Uh, so. All right, so we, we've topped 15 minutes. So this is our Thursday episode. So – We've decided that we're not going to have Friday episodes. Mm-hmm. 
that we're going to leave that for Native Plants Healthy Planet so you can hear our long-form podcast over there on Fridays. That will last you through the weekend. So we're going to say have a great weekend, and we'll see you on Monday. Yeah, this is a great first week. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Looking forward to it, and keep it Native, everyone. Thank you for listening to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. Hey, everyone. This is Fran. And Tom. And we just wanted to give you a quick reminder to tune in every Friday to our other podcast, Native Plants Healthy Planet. Yeah, so on Native Plants Healthy Planet, we dive into all different kinds of subjects revolving around native plants and our ecology and having a healthy planet. We have guests from uh, from colleges, from other podcasts, from different nonprofits we work with, even authors. It's a really good time. We hope you join us over there. Make sure you tune in, and until then, keep it native.